0: It's the CapU Blues Podcast. Brent Mutis here from the CapU Department of Athletics and Rec. We're back this week for a chat with someone who is a PacWest basketball provincial champion and remains a passionate Blues alum to this day. She gave us a fun and frank discussion about her time competing for the Blues and her challenges overcoming mental health struggles to be a successful student athlete. Let's get into it with this week's episode. Hey, okay, welcome back to the CapU Blues podcast. It's episode six, and we are joined today with women's basketball alum, Jennifer Palma. Jennifer, thanks so much for taking time to join us on the podcast today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's definitely an honor.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, it's a pleasure to meet you this way. And um, maybe just to start off, you can catch us up with uh, where you are today and uh, what's been going on with you over the last year.
1: Yeah. So in the last year, um, got engaged. So I'm very excited about that. Um, I've started a couple new projects, uh, one called Power Crew. So basically me and my best friend, we run a fitness and leadership program for girls. And Mm -hmm. right now we're just at St. Pat's, but we've been throwing uh, cardio workouts, uh, weight room workouts, uh, things that girls are not usually introduced until later in their life. And we thought why is, might as well introduce it now uh, where they're most, you know, acceptable to knowledge and who they want to be in the future. So yeah, it's, a, it's been a really fun project.
0: Great. Um, maybe before we get too much further along and I forget, maybe you can just quickly let everyone know how they can find out info about that.
1: Yeah, for sure. So you can go to our social media Power, it's P-O-W-H-E-R dot crew, C-R-E-W. Uh, so as a little play on words of right. woman power.
0: <laughs> That's great. No, thanks for, uh, for sharing that. And hopefully um, hopefully, the, our listenership is growing and that can make its way out to the, mm-hmm. the people that would, uh, would be interested. So um, thanks for the update. Uh, I guess we'll get into uh, where we go next with our podcast, usually, which is... Um, talk about growing up and um, were you an active little kid, lots of different sports? I mean, maybe paint a picture of where it was that you grew up and how big a role sport played in your life when you were growing up.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, So I was born and raised in Vancouver. Um, I went to St. Joe's Elementary, which is a small private school. At the time, the principal, Mr. Borum, was super into sports. So a lot of the funding went into like equipment and getting the kids either on the track, on the court, on the field, Um, and they were tough. We learned a lot of discipline and um, just structure when it comes to sports, but it made us really good. I also have an older brother who's four years older than me who was active in sports also. So usually what happens was he had a basketball practice I just sat around and kind of watch him play or pick up a basketball myself and kind of do some stuff on the sidelines. Um, But I was definitely a very active kid. Um, My parents didn't get the opportunity to play sports growing up. So they put us in everything possible. So (laughs) I've done it from like soccer, wrestling, tennis, volleyball, Um, I've tried everything and I just naturally feel how do I say? Just good, <laughs> just naturally done well in each one. So it's been really fun and almost kind of hard to pick a specialty sport, but yeah, it was definitely basketball. And I'm glad I went that direction.
0: Well, it's interesting to hear you say that, like that you had trouble choosing ultimately what was going to be your focus. Um, I Maybe just through what you're doing now with power crew and what you're observing with kids in sports so much, You see, you hear quite a lot about kids specializing in sports at a young age and burnout. And um, it sounds like for you, the variety of sports you played, I mean, I think they all complement each other. And the footwork you learn in tennis helps you on the basketball court or soccer and and vice versa. And like hand-eye coordination from playing baseball or whatever it was. So, I mean, is that something you advocate for when you can as well as just introducing kids and, and providing as much variety as you can at a young age?
1: Oh, totally. Uh, Like you said, like each sport complements each other. So volleyball increases your uh, vertical. And then that goes into basketball, if you need to go get a rebound or something. And then the short spurts of sprinting on grass for soccer, again, translate right back into basketball, you need those little intervals of really fast paced sprinting. Um, So yeah, I, I really advocate trying different sports. And again, you don't know what's going to happen. Maybe you won't grow past five, two, like I did. (laughs) And you can't be a professional volleyball player. Um, So um, you never know what the universe is going to provide you. So yeah, might as well give yourself options.
0: I think that's a great piece of advice. Um, But, uh, and specific to you, I mean, coming along, obviously tried lots of different things. And as you mentioned, you're not the world's tallest person. Like people (laughs) may not think basketball the first time they meet you, but um, as you were getting to an age where you you were going to have to make a choice about what you were going to be serious about, uh, I mean, what was your sporting environment and how was it that basketball kind of rose to the forefront?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I think it just really came down to what did I spend my most time in uh, and where did I have the best experience? So that did come with basketball, just with the coaches I've Uh, met the players that I've become friends with Um, and just the leagues itself they were very more welcoming to a shorter player like me okay (laughs) um so yeah I've had um not so pleasant experiences either with my height or just politics with other sports Um, Mm -hmm. but basketball always seemed a lot more welcoming of either my playing style or even just um yeah just physicality
0: huh that's great you kind of found a a community in in that particular sport and that's what worked for you that's uh yeah (laughs) that's interesting so what was what was your high school experience like I think you're a Notre Dame grad if I'm not mistaken so yeah uh jugglers basketball what was was that like (laughs) did you play four years like what was your what was your high school basketball experience
1: yeah so I played all five years halfway through my grade eight year um I was already starting on the junior team, Mm -hmm. and then the senior coach decided to bring me up to a tournament. I was like, okay. I was allowed to play up to three games. I was like, oh, yeah, this is fun. And my coach is like, well, if you play the third game, you're officially on the senior team, so you have to make a decision whether or not you want to play at this level. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. I want to play senior. (laughs) So I played senior like four and a half years of my high school career. Um, yet again Notre Dame was is not <laughs> known for their basketball right um, it's a very football and soccer driven school okay um, so yeah there was definitely a lot more room for me to play more minutes right. um, so that's when soccer came in handy because I had to play a full game
0: <laughs> okay yeah
1: um, but yeah uh, that was my experience I always played at a very high level and was exposed to a lot of minutes and cardio and just a lot of fun stuff at an early age.
0: Nice. So high school soccer and, and basketball for you at Notre Dame, I guess the um, seasons probably were opposite each other.
1: Yeah. I did actually opt out to tennis just to try it. Uh-huh. Tennis was actually the worst sport I'm <laughs> I'm <laughs> at. Anything that has like a utensil or an equipment, not uh-huh. the best at. Okay. Um, but yeah, volleyball, tennis and basketball were my sports.
0: Okay yeah I mean like you said those all you can see how those all would complement each other and help each each one makes you better at the other so Mm -hmm. um, as you were as you were working your way through grade 12 I mean was that the first time you started thinking about post-secondary basketball or had that been on your radar for a while?
1: I think it's kind of since I've had that um, experience of starting senior a lot earlier Mm -hmm. um, it seemed a little bit more destined of okay, you're pretty good at this sport, so let's take this really seriously. Mm -hmm. I've always played summer club, a bunch of tournaments, and growing up, like, drop-ins or little camps. Um, So, yeah, it was always on the back of my mind, to be honest. Um, But then grade 11 and grade 12 definitely took it a lot more seriously of, okay, which team do I want to play on for sure?
0: And what was your impression of, uh, I mean, at the time, well, it would have been Cap University by the time you would have been considering. But mm-hmm. what, what was your knowledge of Cap University and Blues basketball at the time?
1: My uh, dad took me out to a couple of games just to watch them play. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was really impressed by them. I also knew Paul Sharanza. Right. He coached me during summer with Triple Threat. Um, so that was like an easy, okay, I feel comfortable here kind of thing, Mm -hmm. but it was funny in grade 12, I didn't want to be in Vancouver anymore. I was just like, no, I don't want (laughs) to go to Cap. I I want to play abroad. And so we went to like different ID camps. I went to the Island. I think I was actually supposed to go to Camosun. Um, but the scholarship still didn't do enough for, um, living like rent and sure. stuff like that yeah, for my parents
0: yeah
1: um so I was like okay and then I played a game with Cap and Paul Sharanza, the guy that he is he's just so funny and great to be around He was just like come on you know you belong here and I was like yeah. I do <laughs> I yeah do. there was
0: there's uh I haven't had a chance to to meet Paul but his, his name comes up a fair bit he was a longtime coach obviously and Um, you got to play a couple of years under him, but then also the coach that replaced him, Ramin. So Mm -hmm. we'll talk about that as we get on, but, um, it seemed like just your familiarity with, with Paul through club in the summer and, you know, yeah, cap wasn't going to be exactly a faraway destination, but, um, it seemed to fit after you'd got some exposure to the players and the coaching environment. So was it ultimately a pretty simple decision for you when you enrolled in cap?
1: Yes, Definitely. And what I like about Paul is he's so unconventional. Hmm. So he's like the most unconventional basketball coach I've ever had. And we can get into this later of how Ramin was the complete opposite. (laughs) Um, But yeah, just his style was just like, you know how to play basketball. Go do it. Like you have the talent. Go do it. Mm -hmm. There wasn't so much structure. It was just more of like belief and having fun in the game and just feeding off each, each other's talents. and pushing each other that way that um yeah really made the atmosphere really fun really fun to be in
0: um so your first year at cap is 2010 11 yeah um what a year i mean i don't know what (laughs) what kind of like pressure situations you might have been in as a grade 12 athlete at notre dame i don't know if you made provincials or, or anything like that but i mean that first year at cap it winds up being a provincial championship for, for yourself and for your teammates. Um, Did it seem like you were on that track at the start of the year? Do you remember? Like, did, did you guys go into the year thinking, yeah, like this is a, we have a chance to really do something this year.
1: Yeah. That's funny because in, well, like I said, Notre Dame wasn't known for a basketball school. Like I was one of the first basketball athletes to really go through the system at Notre Dame. Mm so I was used to, unfortunately, losing a lot. Okay. <laughs> we but you played a lot, though. Played a we lot. played a lot, but we didn't make provincials or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just kind of knew I was a good player and just feeling the players like oh, that set of crew was so confident and swaggy in a way that you almost can't describe it unless you saw it. And it mm-hmm. doesn't make any sense unless you played with them. Um, so yeah we kind of we kind of just knew we just felt great Mm -hmm. and as the season went on we were averaging uh, don't quote my numbers but it always felt like we were either 80 and above like we were Mm -hmm. high scoring like some games we would score over 100 which is like not really heard of in women's basketball yeah um so yeah we just knew we just kind of just knew there was something special with that team
0: yeah I mean there's some really good players and your career is interesting because it overlapped a lot of different kind of eras and coaches <laughs> and you got an extra yeah. year I think there was an injury that we'll talk about yeah. that you gave you an extra year um but some of the players that were key on in in that 2010-11 uh, year Jessica Franz
1: yeah
0: um Jenna Ralston
1: yeah um <laughs> uh, Monica
0: Starshnowski these are yeah. some players that you go through the Blues archives. We have all this on the Blues website under uh, Women's Basketball Archives: the leaders for points and rebounds and assists. And you're way up there for assists, but Jessica Franz way up there for points and rebounds. Jenna Ralston, same thing. Monica mm-hmm. Starshanowski. like these are some pretty key all-time Blues athletes that were uh, that were on that team. So, I and mean, what do you? What do you remember about competing with them or your impressions of them? They were probably a little bit more veteran to you that first year. They would already had a couple of years yeah. under their belt.
1: <laughs> Super veteran. The only time I've actually been rookied uh, because these players just had the swagginess and skills and talent to pull that off with me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, like France, she is a post. He used to shoot three-pointers or get a rebound and literally dribble, baseline to baseline and do a layup like i know you kids have like these posts that shoot three pointers nowadays but for a post to triple baseline to baseline and finish the layup is (laughs) is phenomenal like it was um such a rarity uh during my i guess era i'm so old now (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) and then you have starzanowski and you have ralston some of the best three point shooters I've ever seen. They're so consistent, so, so calm in a way um, that you really want to be like, but really as much as you practice, you (laughs) almost impossible to get on their level. They were just that talented. And I think uh, two other players definitely need some shout outs because we did have a point guard that came from Gonzaga named Sasha and She was just phenomenal. She never ran out of energy. She, I don't want to say like she played like a dude, but (laughs) she did have handles of like street ball. And Mm. it was just so flowy. She did runners, floaters, anything like. um, So she was really phenomenal to watch because you didn't see any other females at the time with that skill set. And then she left halfway and we got Jen Bodner.
0: Right. That's the story I know. And I was going to bring up, but I'll let you finish.
1: (laughs) But yeah, (laughs) Um, Jen Bodner came in and she was also a very vital piece of filling that spot Mm -hmm. uh, because she was just a little bit more veteran than I was. Um, I did get to learn a lot from her, but also get better because we always had to be uh, opponents in practice. So yeah, she was definitely a vital piece that came into play for that provincial championship.
0: Yeah. That's an interesting story. And I mean, Jen Bodner had been like such a foundational piece of blues basketball since Mm. that 10, 11 season, like as a player or coach, she stayed with us right up until this past Christmas when you probably heard she's, she's moved down to Southern California and she's taken her nursing career there. And, um, but yeah for 10 consecutive years as either a player or a coach she was always there and um uh her story that she told me we did a little a little story about her when she when she was transitioning on about her time with the blues she talked about um she up to christmas of that year she wasn't playing anywhere i think she had been at a couple of different schools i think she'd been mm-hmm. at UFE and Douglas and she wasn't playing anywhere and she ran into Paul Shirenza just at like a high school christmas <laughs> tournament and Paul's like hey why aren't you playing and um he wound up getting her into cap for January of that year and I mean away you guys went
1: yeah yeah <laughs> that story that year is literally one of the most memorable years of my life for yeah sure. there was
0: some photos I, I was looking through and I sent you a couple from the from the championship game of the provincials and it just <laughs> and we look like uh looked like an unreal atmosphere actually big crowd and and Paul was super excited obviously and Um, But we'll we'll get to that game in in some more detail as we uh, as we progress on. But I mean, do you remember coming down the stretch that January, February, March time of year uh, in that 10-11 season? Did you feel like you guys were improving like to peak at the right time?
1: I think we were always at our peak. (laughs) We were always playing at our best. Again, like I said, that year was just unreal. We were just flying high no game was really a crushing. We knew where we were winning. Um, and the only other team we had troubles with was maybe, what's go now, UNBC, because that's a really hard travel and game for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: Um, but yeah, when it came down to it, we knew. And like, sometimes my parents likes to bring it up and was like, yeah, you guys were down like 18 points. I'm like, I have no memory of like being down that much. And they're like, yeah, you guys caught up and then you won. I was like, I just felt good the whole game. Like, I just knew, I don't know, I just felt confident. I, I wasn't even worried about the score. I didn't even know I was down 18.
0: <laughs> Follow the Blues on Twitter and Instagram under the handle at Capilano Blues. And while you're at it, help us grow our audience. Please rate, review, and recommend us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So, what do you remember about Provincials in 2010 11? Uh, I think they were hosted at CBC yeah. out in Abbotsford. Um, I think you guys wound up playing UBC Okanagan in, in the gold medal game. Uh, mm-hmm. What do you remember about the journey to get there? I mean, you might, based on what sounds like the season, you might have got a buy into the semifinals.
1: Right. Yeah. And
0: then um, I don't know who you would have faced then, but uh, what do you remember about the semis and getting to the finals?
1: Oh, man, I don't even remember who we played in the semis. That's so trippy.
0: Do you remember much detail about the gold medal game, UBCO?
1: Yeah, Um, I just remember like taking a charge and stuff like that, and they were calling it, and then it came down to like some of the last minutes of the game, try to take a charge again. It was a charge, but they didn't call it just to, you know, I don't know keep the game going kind of thing and mm-hmm. to try to make it fair um but I do remember scoring a three in like the last minute of a game or so Jenna Rawson was driving to the hoop my defender went to go help and I was just screaming one more one more <laughs> gave me the ball shot it swoosh and so that really brought us uh, really neck and neck with them. And then I just remember the last play of Jenna Austin getting the ball, doing a left hand layup, winning. Oh, everyone just going crazy. Yeah, that that was a great game. Really. Yeah, I
0: mean, looked like it um, just based on some of the archive pictures I've seen. Um, how did you? fit into the rotation on the team? Did you generally start? Like obviously Jen Bodner came and she was a, she was a point guard. And mm-hmm. um, I guess Monica was also in the guard rotation. Like, did you usually come off the bench or did you generally get into the starting lineup?
1: Mm-hmm. So like in the first half of the season, just of how amazing Sasha uh, was, I knew I had to take a back seat and take a seat on the bench, which was totally fine. Cause I was almost burnt out myself. Mm -hmm. playing full games and starting games and having everything uh, put on my shoulders. Um, But then once Bodner came in, we kind of shared the floor and it was also really deadly when we were on at the same time, having two point guards is um, I think also a rarity um, in women's basketball to have two very good ball handlers on at the same time is Mm -hmm. very deadly in the game. Uh, But yeah, I would share the floor with her for sure in the second half.
0: Right. So uh, in the gold medal game, like I've never seen a score. The PacWest website says, obviously you guys won, but um, I don't know what the score of the game was. Was it a pretty tight one? Like, would it have been a pretty entertaining game back and forth?
1: Yeah. Oh, definitely. Especially with our apparent comeback. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We were, like I said, neck and neck. It was just like a couple points difference. And with that layup, we either won by one or two like it was the play to make to win the game and we pulled it off
0: yeah I mean um what a moment it uh looked like the team kind of erupted and ran off the bench and um (laughs) Paul Paul and your assistant coach I'm not sure who that was but I've seen photos of them hugging and um the crowd looked like it was pretty full like was that one of the better environments you played in front of
1: oh definitely yeah super packed very lively loud it was a great environment for sure.
0: And then you had a probably a couple of weeks off and you're headed to Nationals.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Which that year were at Niagara College, I believe. Yes. Um, so you got a trip across the country. How did you guys spend the couple of weeks prepping for nationals? Just hard practices, or was there much available scouting wise on the teams that you were mm-hmm. going to be playing?
1: Good question. I think to be honest. We might've had like a little bit easier time just to recover from provincials and all that hard work that we've put in. Mm -hmm. Um, But no, there wasn't a lot of time to do scouting. We didn't really know the other teams that we were facing. Um, I don't think we had any game tape or rosters on them. Uh, We just kind of went in knowing that we were good and we will face anyone that showed up on the court with us.
0: (laughs) Right, well, your first game uh wound up being against st thomas university
1: mm-hmm. and I was
0: from new brunswick and you guys went in as i guess the number five seed and uh you won the game 76 mm-hmm. 69 do you have many details that come back to you from games at nationals what the crowd was like opponents who played mm-hmm. well for you guys
1: yeah, oh my <laughs> I guess I haven't really vi- revisited these memories in a while.
0: That's ten years ago, over ten years ago. <laughs> Although you're one of our younger guests, we most of our uh, podcast guests so far have that. Been, like, been from like ten years before you. Some of them, so
1: yeah. Well, that's awesome. Um, no, just a again great environment. It was just like the first I've ever experienced because like, I've never been to a provincial mm-hmm. or national kind of tournament, right? Um, so it was really fun seeing the other teams, um, seeing how they play their style. Uh, the crowds were great. There was a bunch of parents and students in the, in the crowd. Um, I think the people that played well are the people that played well all the time. It was, you know, like Franz doing a lot of work, Bodner, Ralston, Starzanowski. Um, but I do remember Franz rolling her ankle in one game. Mm. She had to like tough it out throughout one whole game, but still doing a lot of damage. Um, but I think that definitely hurt us a little bit with her injury. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, I think we were kind of surprised just at the competitiveness and the tempo other teams played out East. Right. Um, so, yeah.
0: Yeah, we well, your, your second yeah. game, you ran into a buzzsaw, which was the number one seed college mom around sea from Quebec. Yeah, and they won pretty handily in the. I guess it would have been um, your second game there. Seventy-eight forty-eight was the final. They went on to win. <laughs> uh, most of the scores of their games were pretty lopsided in the in their favor. Uh-huh. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. If, it, it sounds like that when you're talking about the kind of pace and the style of play, like it sounds like they really
1: exemplified that. Yeah, for sure. And I don't know how other people feel about like the extra year. Like, I feel like, right, okay, Quebec, maybe yeah. like the extra year really helped mesh the team a little bit more. And, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, that tempo of game so fast, like right. we, just nothing that we've seen before.
0: Um, you guys, uh, I mean, what an experience. So, I mean, you, you wind up losing to the eventual winners and I guess yeah, so- there's <laughs> a little bit of comfort in that. Yes. Um, you, uh, you've, you finished off, um, as the fifth or sixth, place team at the uh at the tournament um mm-hmm. and your teammate jessica franz who you mentioned was wound up being named to the uh second all-star team for the tournament um mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting at nationals in that they and i i'm sure this is what happened when you were there too they do the banquet to start things off the awards yeah. banquet yeah. and so you get to see like who the national players of the year are and like who some of the you know, if they're usually that's a player that's at the tournament and that probably Mm -hmm. develops some intrigue, like, Oh, that's, she's the player of the year. Like, I wonder how good she is. And then you get to see them play. It kind of puts a bit of a target on the back of the person that gets named the national player of the year in front of this whole banquet and then has to go play a tournament. So,
1: um, you
0: know, there in those days where there is internet information, but probably not a lot of game film that you're kind of finding this out on the fly. So do you remember that banquet and, and, uh, that experience?
1: Yeah, it was just a lot of awards to a lot of people that I've never seen or heard before.
0: Right.
1: And it was just like, okay, like, how good are you? Kind of just like scouting them out, just like, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> sure.
1: But nothing more than that. Like, we didn't really mingle with the other teams. The only other team that we mingled with was the host mm-hmm. uh, of Niagara College. And they were really nice and they were really fun. But other than that, we didn't, yeah, get to meet a bunch of the other teammates or award winners.
0: So um, after that tournament wraps up, I mean, that's pretty much that's the end of the sports year for you. Obviously, there was a bit of school to go, but I mean, did you kind of figure this was going to be a annual occurrence for you and and the Blues that uh, winning provincials and getting to nationals would be. You hear that a lot, a lot in pro sports, when a young player has success early on, they figure, oh, this is probably how it's going to be all the time. And <laughs> it isn't exactly how it went. So yeah. do you recall your mindset of, of expectation after, after that first year?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Just heading out of my rookie year, I was part of the rookie team all-star. So I was like, okay, I'm a key player of this team. I can keep adding value to her games. Um, I think the biggest hit we had, <clears throat> pardon me, uh, the biggest hit we had was losing Franz. Mm. And not only did France bring a lot of talent and skill, she was one of the main people who was just overly confident and like just mm. did not care what you thought of her and would tell you what to do, will scream at you on the court um, knowing that she was right and you just need to follow her direction and I think that played a really huge part in our confidence in our first year Mm -hmm. and with losing friends like that we also lost kind of that that representation of I'm a strong female you listen to me Mm -hmm. Um, I know I'm good Uh, just that overconfidence Um, so yeah it was a little bit of a hit but we still had a lot of key players so I knew that we still needed to get to the top and we and did, were definitely capable.
0: Did Jessica transition to a uh, U sports school or did she f- yeah, finish up basketball? She went
1: then? To uh, university of Calgary. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It looked like her, her career was <laughs> kind of trending that way based on what she got done at cap. So, but yeah, I mean, probably not someone you can replace very easily like you said so um, yeah
1: post dribbling baseline to baseline
0: yeah, yeah you no can see you can't too feel often. that <clears throat> um the next couple of years i mean you got back on the podium at pack West's the the next season after your championship mm, it was a yeah. bronze finish and you had a couple of silvers after that too i mean those, those silver medals are tough to take, right? Like um, 11, <laughs> yeah. 12 was bronze 12, 13. It was you and VIU in the PacWest final. Um, I guess, uh, maybe just to clarify on your career, because you wound up being associated with cap for six years, mm-hmm. what was the injury? When did that happen? And did it wind up just being like a full redshirt year for you?
1: Oh, definitely. So, oh, I, it's a bittersweet story. Because I was heading into my last year. I was doing everything possible to be ready for it. Was working out a lot, doing weight room stuff, cardio, going to drop ins, <clears throat> playing with men, just so I can like develop a little bit more of that street ball style. And it was at our home tournament right before the season started. Stole the ball. We were playing Quatlin, stole the ball from a guard, was going up for an open layup she came running down trying to block me from behind we just collided freakishly and i just landed on my leg wrong and it was the worst and uncomfortable feeling i've ever experienced in my life um and yeah that it was it was done and it really broke my heart for all the hard work that i was putting into my last year and i was supposed to be done in school at the same time right And um, it was a real big wrench because we had a really good team heading into that year. And I really wanted to be a part of it, um, but just couldn't. So, yeah, I had to redshirt that whole year.
0: Okay. So what what was the injury specifically?
1: I tore completely my ACL and very badly my MCL. Wow. Yeah. And then... (laughs) I had surgery. I was coming back. Um, I was coming back maybe a little bit too soon. I might've been pushing it a bit again because I want to finish my last year fully. I wasn't taking half a season as my last year. I was like, Nope, I want to play from start to finish. Mm -hmm. Um, So I accidentally did it again during a practice. Yeah. So I was just like, Nope, I'm not waiting another year. This is my year. Just played it out with a, a knee brace. Um, But I recently just had my uh, restrictive surgery just because of that experience, that year long recovery is not easy. It's not easy physically. It's not easy mentally. Mm -hmm. Um, So I waited that one out until last year. So I'm currently still in my knee recovery now. Um, But with that one, they did my ACL, LCL, meniscus, and my kneecap. So <laughs> I wow. definitely did a lot more and <laughs> just playing with the knee brace and just kind of pushing through uh, with all of it. But yeah, two, two knee surgeries. <laughs> oh
0: boy. Yeah. That's uh that's a lot. Um, so anyways, that happened. What would have been your last year and then yeah. you know, wound up playing on. 50% of a knee, I guess, for your what one being your final season, yeah. which will also wound up being a silver medal in 1516 to VIU. So the last two times you got into the Pac West championship game, it wanted being silver to VIU who remains a strong team and a big rival. I mean, what do you remember the players on VIU in those years? Um, obviously, mm-hmm. strong teams.
1: Yeah, over the years, our real big competition has always been BIU. They've always been a top dog for us. Mm -hmm. Um, What I remember from them was they did get to recruit some players. I do remember them having some
0: international uh, scholarships. Yeah,
1: yeah, international scholarships, some American players.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: They definitely had some big bigs uh, that were good at rebounding, putting it back and some shooters So yeah, they they definitely were always a well-rounded team. And they always played zone, which was also very annoying. <laughs> huh. Um because you're quite limited in zone like you have to you don't get to freestyle as much, I feel like. Um but yeah, they were very effective with their zone defense.
0: Yeah, they uh they wound up winning the the Pac-West the last time we had a season in 1920 and that was on our gym which is tough to see um <laughs> was the fourth silver medal for cap women's basketball in the last five years so yeah. i'm sure chris weimer and uh, his players are have had enough of have had <laughs> enough silver and they're hungry for i mean anyone people are just hungry to start playing again i know that because um obviously this past season didn't happen but um maybe we could talk about the switching gears on the coaching ranks obviously um you you were recruited and played your first couple years under paul shirenza and then Mm -hmm. ramin sagiani came in and chris was his assistant you talked about it being quite a quite a stark difference between the the two coaching styles what do you what do you recall about um (laughs) how ramin kind of put his stamp on things
1: yeah ramin was just incredibly crisply organized so he had like binders, folders. We did scouting and game tape. We did weight room training. Um, we had like special trainers and physios. We had um, very thought out practices and stuff like that. We There was also a lot of off the court, like fundraising to make sure that we got all the equipment that we needed. Um, and it was quite, quite, not strict, but... A little bit more firm he was you didn't get the vibe that he was super easy going uh there was definitely an expectation and standard that you had to li- live up to um so yeah very night and day from go play you on the court you're great you're talented to having like very set plays and following a structure
0: right now um the ramin coach for quite a long time and it's transitioned to mm-hmm. chris being the head guy um it's kind of interesting that because your career spanned six different or six years um some of the players that you played with as you were finishing up were still with us uh the last time we had a season (laughs) and i'm thinking about uh ohama sherry erico um ashley de la cruz yip finished before I started at cap, but she, she was a player that um, she's still the PacWest all-time leader in assists. Um, Do you have impressions that uh, come to mind about Reiko or Sherry or Ashley? Uh, They were younger players that you were kind of setting an example for.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I remember when Ace, oh, Ashley, but at the time we called her Ace.
0: Everyone calls her that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) When, when she joined the team, because other than Bodner, um, I was like, okay, I'm like starting point guard, no problem. And then Ace came and she was just like a little energized bunny, like never ran out of energy. And I was like, can you please stop running? Like, I'm tired guarding you. Like, I'm a great defender, but you're really tiring me out. <laughs> but it was good. She pushed me in ways um, that I needed to be pushed. And then I kind of took her under my wing and really... Um, instilled some values of like leadership and running the floor and being a great on-ball defender, uh, which I was. Um, so yeah, that relationship definitely blossomed throughout the years. Um, Reiko was just a rookie. I really wish I spent more time with her um, as teammates. She's she was just a little baby and she was just a little intimidated when she first joined the team. So um I didn't get to watch her grow as much I did definitely did on the sidelines because I did come back to watch every game of theirs Uh, but yeah she is definitely a stunning point guard um and Sherry yeah yeah. anything like her sister just spot-on shooter Mm. um you can always count on her uh great great um personality just to just be around so yeah those are just some great players and I'm very honored that I got to have them in my basketball journey
0: yeah well thanks for sharing the recollection of uh of those players that I just started to get to know before everything shut down and um yeah I mean it's it's great to to know that you continue to keep tabs on some of them. And I know when we're <laughs> playing again, we're going to get you back to the gym to see some games. So yeah.
1: <laughs> yes. Hopefully, please. That ha-
0: hopefully that happens this year. We're hoping for, uh, for good news this week about um, practicing that teams have been stuck just doing like shooting and passing drills and stuff like oh, that. And they're, they're, they've gotten pretty tired of it. I, <laughs> I know. And uh, they're looking forward to just even being able to have like a scrimmage. So um yeah hopefully when there's actual competitive games again we can have you and some of the other alums out to to check Mm -hmm. it out um uh to switch gears and kind of uh add a different layer to your career at cap um you know all of this is going on and we're hearing about a lot of your successes and ups and downs with Mm -hmm. uh, championship games and injuries and um you know getting an extra year but i guess in a way and i'll turn it over to you there's kind of a bit of a cloud hanging over your experience as a university student and I'm sure it affected your playing career to some, to some extent too and that is your ongoing um, battle with mental health. I'll, I'll let you kind of uh, take over and um, talk about how that impacted you and, and continues to.
1: Yeah uh, for sure. Uh, so coming in as a rookie I was already becoming quite depressed coming out of high school um, just feeling a little bit invisible and stuff like that. Um, but I was a grade A student. I was doing really well in academics. So no one would have really known. And especially with my personality, um, I'm always bubbly. I'm always very friendly. Uh, so yeah, I guess no one really had a clue. <laughs> um, but I was definitely failing my courses. Um, I was not showing up. I was sleeping in. I was super depressed. Um, if I did go to school, it was in my pajamas. Um, just had no energy to really get myself ready. And the only thing really that was getting me out of bed every day was basketball. And basketball really saved my life that year. Hmm. Just in the terms of where I did feel confident was on the court. Where did I feel most accepted? On the court. Um, where can I put in work and be recognized and acknowledged on the court like everything just disappeared on that court. And I just worked my ass off every day for that team. Um, yeah. And then it was only until halfway through the season where, because I was failing my courses, lost my scholarship. I was on academic probation. Um, it was a real wake up call of, Hey, you need to do something. Um, or you're not going to be playing this sport that saves your life. <laughs> right. Um so, yeah, uh switched programs. I was initially in sciences. Mm-hmm. Uh, took some business electives, found out I was good at that. So <laughs> transitioned over there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then just a couple of other things of seeing the school's counselors, being very honest with my professors that I'm going through a hard time, mm-hmm. um, getting put on some meds. Uh, that really helped out. But <clears throat> it was only really... I would say in my fourth year, did I take it, I guess, take it really, really seriously. Mm-hmm. And I took some tests and was finally officially diagnosed with anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. And I just felt so relieved. I almost felt, wow, I'm, I feel finally normal right. because everything that I'm experiencing is meant to be that way because of the chemical imbalances it's not just me being lazy or you know selfish in a way that I just want to sleep in all the time um but yeah I started taking it really seriously in in my last couple of years of university and found a lot of resources at the school uh that were very beneficial um but yeah if I have any advice to any university athletes that are um you know, going through some hardship in university while playing sports, be 1,000% honest with your professors. You will be surprised of how understanding that they can be, and how accommodating um, they can for the well-being of their students. So I really appreciate that about Capilano because the classes were slightly smaller. You do get to build a relationship with your professors and. I really lucked out. I lucked out with some good counselors, uh, good teachers, uh, and some good doctors at CAP.
0: Thanks so much for for sharing that story. It's interesting to hear, you know, once you got that um, diagnosis, as opposed to being a negative, it was a positive Mm -hmm. for you to to, to offer you an explanation as to what's going on with you.
1: Mm -hmm. Definitely. And now I'm just like an advocate of mental health. I still do it on my social media. I'm very honest of how my days are going, what, that I'm on meds, I'm doing therapy, Um, I think it's very important that mental health is not a bad thing, it's just uh, an experience that every single person goes through, and there's, um, everyone goes through an experience of positive and poor mental health, and it's, it's on us to really recognize and take control over it uh, for our well-being, so yeah, just a straight up advocate for it now.
0: (laughs) And how has the last year been for you? It's it's obviously, I think it's, I think it's obvious in society that this has had an impact on a lot of people that may have Mm -hmm. maybe their first encounter with it. Has -hmm. it been a particularly challenging year for you? Or have you been prepared to, to handle what life has thrown at you over the last 12, 16 months?
1: Yeah. um, Funnily enough, because I'm quite introverted. Um, The first year was actually nice. I was like, wow, I get to work from home. I've always wanted to do this and it was great. I was very comfortable um, for my sick days. Um, It took a lot of pressure off because yes, I'm at home. I'm comfortable. I can just let them know that I'm feeling sick and just stay home. Um, So it was really nice to be honest. Um, But this last year for 2021, Um, definitely took a harder hit on my mental health just because of I didn't really expand my office anywhere elsewhere than my room. Hmm. Um, My room has uh, my closet, my vanity, my bed. So I was spending almost my whole days in my room. And it was starting to really, really eat away at my mental health. Um, So yeah, this last year has definitely been a learning curve, if I'm being completely honest, uh, as I should be, I did go on a medical leave from work uh, in February, uh, just to kind of re- reground and reestablish a very healthy mindset, heading back into the workforce. Because yes, the second half of COVID was very challenging for me, for sure.
0: Well, thanks so much for sharing that. It's very personal, but Mm -hmm. it's something I know that you're extremely passionate about. Um, and you're very honest about it. Like you said, um, your social media presence deals a lot in mental health. Um, maybe just let people know where they might be able to follow you and where you kind of share a lot of the, a lot of those details.
1: Of course. and Thank you. thank you for letting me share it. Um, so basically it's my full full name, Jennifer Palma. Uh, but watch out because Jennifer is spelt with an A in the middle, not an I thank you parents. Um, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, that's how you can find me for sure. It's just my full name and you'll, you'll find me.
0: So at Jennifer Palma Instagram, I'm sure that's uh, the place to go. (laughs) Um, well, I, I wanted to again, just Thank you for sharing something that's so personal to you um, on the mental health side of things. It's such a important conversation. And this past year, in my role at CapU, you know, mm-hmm. being in sport information but also compliance, which is academic progress, right. it was very interesting to see some students really thrive, in it, maybe for the first time ever, in an online remote learning situation, and others totally. that others that really just it didn't work for them at all. Mm-hmm. Students that had been fine. Having struggles for the first time, just not having that connection to a to an instructor, to a prof, to their to their classmates, not having any of that was not helpful. and for others, yeah. it was great. So um, I mean, it sounds like you've kind of experienced both sides of that as well, just from your own work from home situation and having to make adjustments.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, I didn't even think about it as students as some might actually excel from online courses. Um, cause I know in my last year I was taking a lot more online courses and yeah, those are nice, (laughs) kind of go at your own pace, do it at your own time. Um, but I understand the troubles of not being in an actual classroom, Mm -hmm. especially for stuff for like science or math, where a lot of it is like written on the board or you want to ask instant questions to the professor if you don't understand something, um, immediately. So Yeah. Wow. Well, what a, what a journey those student athletes had to go through.
0: And I think it's also, um, I mean, you think about the instructors, I mean, some of them probably took to online teaching pretty well and others probably Mm -hmm. didn't like that's uh, a whole other, a whole other discussion to talk about being an instructor and how to deliver a curriculum in that kind of format too. And I think all, all in all CapU and most of the post-secondary institutions managed to pull it off. But um, I think, uh, probably a lot are looking forward to getting some more face-to-face in-person instruction come uh, the fall semester.
1: Yeah, definitely. Kudos to everyone. And yeah, if, if any school is going to pull that off, I'm glad CAP is the one for sure.
0: Um, to transition back to basketball, I, I'll just ask you, what's your relationship to basketball now? Do you play at all? Like, do you, are you a big fan of watching games? Uh, what, what is, where's is basketball in your life today?
1: That's a really good question. Um, growing up, I was like, the I would consider myself the worst basketball player because I would never watch the NBA and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Basically, my reasoning was I play basketball like all my life. I do not want to spend my leisure time also watching basketball. Right. Um, but after university, I didn't really play for a couple of years, just trying to figure out uh, who I was as an adult outside of basco- basketball, which is mm-hmm. also really hard. Um, sure that I found, like I didn't have any other hobbies except for basketball. And I was like, I don't know who I am without basketball. And so it was a lot of uh, soul searching and um, doing a lot of that stuff after basketball for a couple of years. I didn't touch the basketball for a bit. I was a senior coach at Notre Dame. I went back to yeah. coach a couple of years. Yeah. Uh, I do love that age group of high school students. They're just so willing to absorb wisdom and knowledge and learn from you um so yeah that was a really fun couple of years um and then i work at lululemon and a couple of people are like hey you said you play basketball right you want to join our, join our co-ed, co-ed league i was like sure um again which is a diff- totally different experience because you get very unorthodox unorthodox players mm-hmm. um, a different pace of the game <laughs> and um also just playing with a men's ball right um right and trying not to be as competitive as you were and and just trying to have more fun with it right um was definitely uh an experience of itself but yeah now um I would definitely go back to either coaching or um playing co-ed once I'm ready when I'm recovered from my knee surgery
0: well, like I said, I can't wait till we can offer you some blues games to come and check out when mm-hmm. uh, when the season gets back underway.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I love coming back and watching cap games. I feel like it's a little thing missing from university sports is just that sense of being an alumni, mm-hmm. uh, which is very important to the program. Um, having those people in the stands, creating that energy, creating that support. Mm-hmm. Um, even sharing your knowledge or creating that relationship with future teams, um, is very powerful. And I really wish and hope that we develop that over the years. Cause I love doing it. I love coming back and supporting the teams. Um, but yeah, please have me back. <laughs> I would love to, we
0: will. It's, uh. Yeah. Your name came up, uh, almost right away when I asked like, Oh, who would be a good guest for this podcast? And Chris Weimer mentioned you and Mackenzie <laughs> Smith. I don't know if you know, you have what kind of an impression you had on her. She thought of your name right away and said, Jennifer would oh, be a okay. great guest. So, um, yeah, anyways, uh, I know they'll look forward to seeing your face again when we can do that kind of thing. So as we kind of head towards wrapping up here, I kind of finished with some sort of just questions to kind of add a bit of color to, uh, to you as a, as an athlete and as a person. And, um, some of them I usually start off with kind of some basketball stuff and what I'll, what I'll ask you first is who's the best player that you either played with or against. It could be, could be, could be like a pickup game. could be anything. Just who's the best player you think you competed with or against.
1: Hmm. That is such an interesting question. Um, (laughs) definitely me and Bodner I know you probably heard stories but we used to go hard at each other (laughs) like just destroy each other in practices and hate it like genuinely hated each other during practices Uh but then we're able to just leave it on the court and be friends outside of basketball which was a a special type of relationship Uh, she definitely challenged me a lot Um, if it was outside of Capilano one of the best people that I've had to guard. And I'm pretty confident with my defense, but one person that would keep me on my toes was Asia from Camosun. She was like this left-handed guard who's super fast, quick, had a great jump shot, great three-point shooter. Um, So yeah, I remember one game, it was my job just to face guard her the whole game. And then there was a screen, and Bodner switched onto Asia, and she was open for three and she scored. (laughs) I'll never let that down from Bodner. Um, But she only scored three points that game, and she used to, she would average like 20 plus points a game. So, yeah, she would always be like, Okay, how's good? How good is my defense today? It would be, How well can I guard Asia?
0: So that's Asia Salvador, I think, from yeah. and, and you guys were both uh, PacWest all-rookie team members your first year. So you were the same age and had yeah. long, I guess, competed against each other for the whole time that you were both in post-secondary there. And, um, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I kind of put you on the spot there. So thanks for that answer.
1: No worries. Uh,
0: what's the best crowd you ever played in front of? Best game environment you ever got to compete in front of?
1: That Definitely that provincials. Gold medal game, the stands were packed. We had the men's team there cheering their hearts out. Um, there was all, oh, we also had Bodner. Bodner had a couple of uh, friends who came out with garbage cans. Oh, yes, just, there's just, photos. <laughs> just so lively, like so awesome to play in. Um, so yeah, definitely that the provincial winning game.
0: That's what it looked like from the photos. I know the <laughs> group of fellas you're talking about. They. Took the yeah. tarps off and painted a J E N N on their chests, and they had a garbage <laughs> can. And there's some good photos of the fans that were sitting in the row directly in front of them, just like plugging their ears and yeah. probably eventually moving. I would imagine because uh, it looked like they made quite a ruckus. But uh, yeah, what a great experience that uh, gold medal yeah. game, 2011.
1: And I don't um, know if I'm allowed to mention this, but remember how you were saying like, oh, like how how did you think you were gonna, you know, end up in the finals? Our assistant coaches already bought champagne bottles for the Whoa. game. Yeah. <laughs> and I just remember like when we got into the change room, like there was just champagne showers everywhere. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, what was that school called again? Um, CBC
0: Columbia Bible CBC, College.
1: Yeah. So sorry that we did that, but <laughs> it was definitely a night to remember. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's great. confidence. That is, uh, you that would hate confident. to have to look at those champagne bottles if you didn't win the game. Yeah. Um. So with the news we're getting this week provincially about travel opening up again and possibly mm. the borders, yeah. I want to ask you if, when you are able to travel again, what's a destination you definitely want to hit?
1: Oh, man. Um, I'm realizing how fortunate I am that my grandparents have a house in Portugal. Okay. Um, and so I've been there before a couple of times and I was like, wow, what have I been doing spending so much money going to other places when I have this perfectly available house with a beach, like a beach, a couple minutes away and the great weather and great people. So I definitely want to revisit and spend more time at that house in Portugal. Um, but also, I'm kind of hoping that me and my fiance go to Japan for our, our honeymoon. I've always had this fascination with Japan, with the culture, the new, the history, the food, the lights. Um, so yeah, those, those are on my top two right now.
0: Yeah, good. It's interesting. Our last guest was, uh, Alex Pappas from men's Mm -hmm. volleyball. He said Japan too. He and his, uh, well, he's engaged to Jackie Caverly. Yeah. Yep. Wow, <laughs> which is, that's
1: amazing.
0: Yeah. So he's he said that Japan is high on their list too. So, um, yeah. Uh, last one I'll ask you is is there a show that you would recommend that you have binged at some point in the last year?
1: Or oh, ever? no. <laughs> hmm. Oh, man. What have I watched lately? I recently watched this stand up comedian. Uh, called Bo Burnham okay, and his Netflix special is called Inside so basically right. he spent the whole pandemic filming this stand-up on his own and he does a bunch of like self-made effects and features and he's like a songwriter and the songs are incredibly catchy like I would just listen to these songs otherwise, but they're also incredibly funny and so relative to what's happening now. And I just think it's so genius in a way and so impressive. And I just appreciate his creativity. that um, I think people should check it out. It's definitely weird. Be ready for some weirdness, but it's so clever. So clever. Yeah. Bo
0: Burnham stand-up comedy specials. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good recommendation. Um Well, if you can believe it, we've already been going for over an hour. So, um, (laughs) I wanted to thank you for all your recollections and stories about competing for the blues and your, uh, your mental health advocacy. I think that's super important and I really appreciate you sharing that side of, Mm. uh, of your journey. Um, but yeah, we've kind of wrapped everything I wanted to cover. Um, thanks. Thanks so much for, for spending some time with us today. It's been a pleasure chatting.
1: Yeah, no worries. Again, thank you for having me. And I can't wait to meet you in person. Um, and a big shout out to Chris Weimer for giving me a shout out and recommending me. Um, yeah, love that guy. He's great. So I really appreciate it. I really appreciate being here.
0: Thanks so much. And like uh, I, I echo your sentiments. I look forward to meeting you at the gym sometime soon.
1: <laughs> awesome.
0: That is going to do it for the Capview Blues podcast this week. Hope you enjoyed episode six and continue looking for us on Apple podcasts and Spotify. We'll talk to you next time.